This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to the fourth Sunday of Advent, and the Gospel features one of the most popular figures in Christian history. I'm talking about St. Joseph, the husband of Mary. You know, Joseph is featured in so much Christian art. Think of the paintings and mosaics and sculptures that involve St. Joseph. Think, too, over the centuries, how many churches and basilicas and oratories, hospitals, schools, chapels have been named for St. Joseph. I think of the great oratory of St. Joseph up in Montreal, but there's so many all over the world. He's a terrifically popular saint. He's the patron saint of happy death, because, of course, legend has it he died in the arms of Jesus and Mary, the greatest place to die. One of the great devotees of St. Joseph in recent times was the blessed Pope John XXIII. Of course, his name was Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, Angelo Joseph Roncalli. During the Second Vatican Council, he decreed that Joseph's name be placed in the Roman canon just after we invoke Mary, his wife. And when someone approached Pope John and said, well, I wonder, should you do this or can you do this? He said, I'm the Pope. I just did it. So he used his papal power to honor this saint he'd honored most of his life. Now, what do we know about Joseph? Well, frankly, not that much. There are all kinds of legends and stories about him, but the scriptural evidence is, to put it mildly, meager. There are just a handful of lines in Luke and Matthew about St. Joseph. But, but, the little we have does convey to us some wonderful spiritual truths. And I think the whole 2,000 years of devotion to Joseph is rooted in these simple and profound spiritual truths. The story from Matthew, which is our gospel for today, is a great place to look for these truths about St. Joseph. Let me read to you just a little bit of this passage. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Let me just stop there. There's something wonderful, universal, resonant about this story of the sadness and quandary of Joseph. He had become betrothed to Mary. He was obviously in love with her. He assumed she was in love with him. This betrothal had been blessed by God according to the religious customs of the time. And then the engagement has to be called off. Something so human about this. You know, as a priest in the parish, I was involved a couple times in preparing couples for marriage and whose engagement was then called off. Well, there's something so painful about it. No matter what the circumstances are, even if it was a good decision, it's still painful. Everyone's excited about a wedding, everyone's looking forward to it, and suddenly it has to be called off. 
and you have to return the gifts and explain and ask and answer difficult questions and all of that. There's one level. But then it gets worse in this case. The reason for calling off the engagement is an irregular pregnancy. She's pregnant. And I'm not the father. Think of the embarrassment, the social awkwardness now reaching its high point. But now push it even further psychologically, what it must have been like to be Joseph in this situation. Here's the woman that he loved. And she's pregnant, and he's not the father. What must he have felt in his heart? The sense of betrayal, of infidelity, unrequited love. I mean, all of that very difficult, painful, psychological stuff must have been resonating in his heart. And then push it even further. Raise the spiritual question. Whenever we face one of these terrible obstacles, dilemmas, tragedies, what is God up to? What is God doing? Why is God allowing this to happen? All these levels of psychological, social, spiritual trauma must have existed in Joseph. One reason why it is so miraculous that his first thought goes not to himself, but to Mary. Unwilling to expose her to shame, he decided to divorce her quietly. That's a wonderful thing. It's a great trait of Joseph. In those few little lines we hear it communicated, would anyone really have blamed him? Feeling now all the things I've been describing, would anyone really have blamed him if he had lashed out at her? If he had blamed her? If he had tried to expose her to shame, why not? She had shamed him. How wonderful, despite all of the pressure he was under, that his first thought was to her, to keep her from shame. Now what happens next? Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. Terrific, terrific. Joseph now hears that this hopeless dilemma, this situation from which there seemed no good and clean escape, is in fact part of a much richer design, plan, context. When do our lives go off the rail? when we see just as far as our little minds can take us. When we desire just as far as our little wills can carry us. When we live in this tight little box of what we can see and imagine, our lives tend to go off the rails. What is the great virtue of St. Joseph? That at the key moment, he was willing, listen now, he was willing to surrender to a plan and a design and a purpose beyond what he could see, beyond what he could discern. And now, now, even though not all the questions have been resolved, it's not at all clear how this is all going to happen, what, it, what its ultimate purpose is. That's not at all clear. Nevertheless, he surrenders to it. He 
accepts it. Many, many months ago, I talked to you about Kierkegaard's famous definition of faith. He said, faith is a passion for the impossible. Thinking out of the box. Feeling beyond what I can see and imagine. Joseph here is a great example of this attitude of faith. He plows ahead with this painful and difficult task that God has given him because he knows it's part of a plan that he can't fully understand and discern. That's such an important thing, I think, in our own spiritual journeys. Here's a second aspect of the story I'd like to spend a little time with. Joseph hears this word of God in a dream. Dreams are very interesting, it seems to me, in the Bible. Remember Jacob, the patriarch, falls asleep, resting his head on a stone, and while he sleeps, he dreams, and he sees a great ladder, angels ascending and descending on it, and he wakes up and he says, now I know that God is in this place. And St. Joseph's namesake, the Old Testament, Joseph, remember sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, the Old Testament Joseph is an interpreter of dreams. And when Pharaoh has his great dream, Joseph rises up to tell him what it means, what God is telling him through it. In the New Testament, the wise men receive a message from God in a dream. In one of the Psalms, we have this beautiful line, Even at night, O Lord, you direct my heart. It's terrific, isn't it? Even at night, while I'm asleep, you direct my heart. It's a biblical commonplace that God speaks to us through dreams. You know, you can see it, too, up and down the tradition, in the lives of the saints. You also see it even in a more secular context, when artists and scientists will say, you know, I was wrestling with a problem, trying to understand it, trying to find a solution, and then I fell asleep. And... I dreamt the solution. It came to me in a dream. You know, Billy Joel, the songwriter, has, has been quoted as saying, sometimes he wakes up and a whole song had been given to him in a dream. The chord progression, the melody, the words, it was just given to him. Now, what's being signaled in all this? Something very similar to what I was talking about in the first part of this sermon. The dream represents an openness to, a way of knowing, a way of seeing, which is beyond the ordinary. When you accept a message from a dream, you're saying, I'm willing to imagine something that my ordinary consciousness could never have entertained. I'm willing to think and see a perspective that I would never have thought or seen otherwise. A deeper part of the soul opens up. One of Joseph's great virtues is that like Jacob and like the Old Testament Joseph and like the psalmist, he is willing to listen to this voice that comes from a deeper part of his soul. He's willing to be a person of faith in that sense, to think and to feel out of the box. A lot of the spiritual masters say this, one of our basic problems is that we get stymied. We get stymied by the rationalism of our time. You know, just what you can see. 
what's right in front of you, what you can easily imagine, that's the real. Well, I wouldn't deny for a second that it's real what you can see, that it's real what you can imagine. Of course it is. The Bible, the church, never recommend that we repudiate reason. But the problem comes in when we say it's the ultimately real. It's the only thing that's real. Then we live in a very tight and controlled and narrow space. And then, listen, then we can't hear the word of God when it comes. We can't see the patterns of God when they emerge. Faith is a willingness to dream in that sense. Faith is a willingness to be challenged out of the ordinary way of seeing and relating. Think of the Christmas story for a second. God becomes one of us. God becomes a little baby in order to save us from our sins. <laughs> Who would believe such a story? Common sense? Hardly. Corresponding to what we normally see, normally imagine, normally think of? Not last time I checked. Only dreamers believe it. And I don't mean that in some pejorative sense. I mean only those who have a mind and heart expansive enough to take in God's ways, God's mind, God's way of seeing. Only dreamers see it. Joseph is celebrated here as a dreamer. And I think it's terrific that at the end of Advent, just before Christmas, we are encouraged to dream according to the rhythms and the patterns of God's own mind. In that way, we're more ready for Christ's coming. Friends, again, can I take just a few seconds to make an appeal? To keep this ministry going of Catholic preaching on the radio, we need some money. I need about $50,000. If there's someone feeling generous around Christmas time, you'd like to support this ministry, please write to me, Father Robert Barron, at Mundelein Seminary, Mundelein, Illinois, 60060. If you could make a check out to the University of St. Mary of the Lake, we need your support to let this ministry continue through the next year. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for your support, and God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.